0: Leia Healthcare, it's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real
1: Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Welcome to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me Carl Henry. Folks I'm delighted to have a guest in studio who is a best-selling author, journalist and a podcaster too. She's got two amazing books out and her podcast is doing huge numbers in the Irish charts as well. Caroline Foran, welcome to thank the Real Health so Podcast. Thank you so
0: much, Carl. Well, that sounds really good when you put it like that. Thank you. That's a real boost of confidence for Well, it's true. Me.
1: <laughs> it's true. Your podcast is rocking. Your books are doing fantastic. Yeah. Best-selling on the Irish charts. 16 weeks at number one. Nominated for awards. Oh, know, You know, yeah. you're, you're highly esteemed.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I suppose, like, from a career perspective, that all sounds great. But what I also get from it is that... The topic that I've sort of discussed and what I focus on in the podcast and the books is anxiety. And those numbers and and charting like that is just showing me what an issue it actually is. And I kind of thought when I was writing books and when I was writing articles about anxiety and, and, you know, going through it, you think you're the only person. And I didn't realise until the first book came out and until I started to get feedback and and like I was completely like not expecting those results at all. that I was like, this is actually like an epidemic and people are struggling so much. So it was such an eye-opener from that perspective.
1: And it was something you struggled with as a child, wasn't it? Tell us a bit about that.
0: Yeah, so I think it was always there when I was a child, but I never identified it as anxiety. I didn't have the awareness. I don't think anyone did back then. And for me, it was always just a pain in my tummy. So I would come home from school being like, I don't feel well. And it'd be like, you're fine, you know, as parents do um, and obviously it was like little worries here and there that were probably completely innocuous but when they're left unaddressed they can maybe just start to sow the seeds of a little bit of a predisposition towards anxiety um, and then as I got older my tummy troubles got really bad and it became a bit of a vicious circle when I was a teenager which I think is a difficult like 17 is such a difficult time anyway and I was feeling really sick and you know in school when everyone's starting to get really um, independent and want to go away from their parents and get away from them and I was feeling really bad every day that I was getting the going the opposite way where I was like, mommy, like I want to stay with you and feeling so bad about that. And then, you know, because I was feeling sick every day, I was getting really anxious and getting really stressed. Like going out for dinner was such a big deal. I was, you know, I had panic attacks going out to people's houses because I was afraid of being sick. So it was a thing of like, am I sick because I'm anxious or am I anxious because I'm sick? And at a certain point, it didn't really matter. It was just, I was caught up in a cycle. So it was kind of always there. But even at that point, I didn't call it anxiety. I was like, well, I don't feel well. And if you didn't feel well, you'd feel like this too. It was only when I was in my mid-twenties when I went through this quite a lot of change um, and I changed jobs. And, and And if people listen to my gonna say, no, I'm banging on about this all the time. But <laughs> I always feel bad that like I don't have a good enough story to say this awful thing happened to me. But that's, that's the thing, it, like we self-stigmatize so much and you don't have to go through something really traumatic to justify feelings of stress and anxiety and anxiety can happen as a result of stress when you ignore it and for me it was just stress in my life, I changed jobs, I didn't like the new job, I moved house at the same time, I had been under the weather so I was a little bit like low on the batteries and just all that together brought all the tummy issues back because that was my body's way of being like we don't, we don't like this, something's not right here. Again, I ignored it. I didn't connect the dots until eventually it cranked it up a notch and then it was anxiety and panic and trembling and all the symptoms of anxiety. And then the tummy troubles completely went away and what I was left with was like, oh, you're actually not okay mentally. And that was... That was kind of that's my story.
1: <laughs> Talking about the symptoms of anxiety, then. So, what, for people listening in who may think they're anxious, mm. who may may think it's just it's just worry on a, on a high level, what are the what are the natural symptoms?
0: Yeah, well, there's a whole spectrum of anxiety. You know, people can just have a little bit of overwhelm day to day, and then I was I went the complete other end where I. It was very physical for me. I wasn't able to function um, and uh, so I wasn't sleeping at all. I was pres- producing so much cortisol, which is the slower releasing stress hormone that meant my melatonin, which, you know, is your circadian rhythm, was completely off. So I just didn't, I just lay there staring at the ceiling, having horrible thoughts all night and sleep deprivation on its own would be a of nightmare. Course. I I was I was very nervous and trembly. I, it was like I was about to go out and jump off the cliff. It, it just sitting in my living room, and I didn't understand it. It was very scary. I I stopped eating, as in, because I I just had a nervous tummy. So, you know, I, I I I had no appetite. So I lost a lot of weight. Um, I had I woke up every morning. Well, if I slept uh, in the morning, I would have these major aches and pains in my body, and it was like a really bad flu. It it was like the anxiety had kind of I always use the word like crystallized in my body. Like it had nowhere to go because there was no release for me. It wasn't like the fear you get, you know, if you give a presentation and then the adrenaline goes because you've done Sometimes
1: the thing. Sometimes anxiety can be a good thing. There is, So a- absolutely. coming up in the lift for today's podcast, for every podcast, actually with Dara and Gav listening in, I get anxious. I yeah. get worried. No matter who the guest is yeah. because I'm going to interview someone to chat to somebody. What if I stumble my words or forget what I'm going to chat yeah. about or whatever or just freak out yeah so some but then when I walk away you feel fantastic so sometimes anxious can be a good thing that's
0: kind of optimal anxiety and I think that people anxiety obviously has a negative connotation but there is elements or parts of your life where it's helpful and there's definitely been some good things that anxiety has given me but at that time it was like I was ill with anxiety um, and it was going to take a long time before not only did I start to kind of feel like myself again but I really realised what was happening because you know you just think you're gone mad and you, you, what's even worse is you're like, I. everything is perfect. People will say, Wish, well, sure, what have you got to be anxious about? So you're fearing the fear, or you're fearing even saying, you don't even want, what will people think of me if I say, oh, I've just completely fallen apart, but I have a very good life on paper. So it was... You,
1: your life looked at that time pretty epic.
0: Yeah, for you a 24-year-old. interviewing old.
1: Hugh Jackman, yeah. uh, great job. For all intents and purposes, it looked like the dream.
0: Yeah, and it was. I, I felt like I was sort of finally like loosening off the anxiety of, of, you know, being a teenager and my tummy issues weren't as, as much of a problem. And I thought that was all behind me. But I was, you know, I'm a, I'm a vulnerable, well, we're all vulnerable people, but I think when I tried to understand why it happened and I was obviously very hard on myself being like, you just are weak and, you know, people can handle far worse than you. And I had to, you know, over a really long time be like, I just have a, I have a sensitive stress response and a stress response is something that we all have. It's very normal. And... You know, it can just, it can just happen. And it doesn't mean that I'm, it doesn't mean I'm not strong. It's just maybe sensitivity is the word I try to use for a bit more like compassion. Because it's very easy to be like, you need to just get a grip. And of course, that is not <laughs> That's going the, to help.
1: The grit doctor approach to running, uh, it's the same thing. It's like, it's like, yeah, toughen up and all the rest, which is nonsense.
0: Sometimes there's a place for tough love. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I really needed to stop seeing anxiety as this thing that had taken over me that I was my fault and I was not in control and start seeing it as okay my body's obviously trying to communicate something with me that maybe I've taken on too much maybe it's not even mean the job that I got that I went into it just wasn't right for me on a few levels and I think it kind of um, challenged like my core values like what's actually important to me and I think when you're in those kind of situations anxiety can come up Mm -hmm. so yeah, it took a long time to be like, Do you know what? Your body is trying to tell you, listen, we need to just step off the gas here. And actually, when you start to like when you change your relationship and your perception of anxiety, it can become quite a helpful sort of monitoring system for if things are getting too much. And, and, and now these days, like I know that that kind of lifestyle doesn't really suit me or I'll know I'll know my body will be like, hey, we don't like this very much. And I'll be like, OK, well, is this because it's too much for me or is this more? an anxiety that I should push through, such as giving a presentation or something like that. So
1: I suppose in some respects, it's getting to know your body. Yes. It's accepting it Yes. for the good, and the bad, uh, for what works, for, you, for what causes those stresses and being quite comfortable with yourself and comfortable in your own skin.
0: Oh, 100%. And for so long, I was obviously so hard on myself. I didn't like myself because I was sensitive like this. And really, you know, when you're when you're really anxious and someone says, oh, you just need to kind of accept it. You're like, what like go away like that, <laughs> that is the worst thing you could say to someone nobody wants to embrace or accept anxiety it's a horrible feeling but only when I said okay this is where I am for whatever reasons even if I don't like it or doesn't make sense this is my reality right now and this is my this is the kind of person I am maybe I have a predisposition to anxiety maybe it'll always be in my life but so when I accepted that things changed enormously and then what made me get to a point of of I guess owning it um was taking the time to educate myself and understand what exactly is happening in the brain, what is stress, what is anxiety, how does it manifest, like what chemicals are involved and I think when you take it down to those brass tacks of like, you know, the nuts and bolts of how Mm -hmm. humans function and how you know, thinking about how how much our stress response hasn't really evolved all that much since hunter-gatherer times, when you start to step back and look at how all that stuff works and look at your own lifestyle and the different things that kind of come into play, you can kind of give yourself a bit of a break And when you understand it, you're far better equipped to know how to handle it. And as it comes up again later in life, you know, so now I have this set of tools, which is just more empowering than if I just got rid of it and never Mm. came back. And the biggest thing for me, the biggest hurdle that I had to overcome was falling victim to all this crap online that was like, you know, oh, I did this thing and I, I had this conversation with a tree and it didn't, I I didn't I don't feel anxiety anymore. I don't have stress or I just like went to the Himalayas. I'm like, well, I can't do that. And I was like, why why are all these cures and quick fixes not working for me? And I spent hundreds of euro. I I mean, I wasn't like, What did
1: you what did you try?
0: Oh my god, I did I remember this one um this one particular treatment I guess I did. Um, I can't even remember what it was called but I read about it online and I was so desperate for anything that would make me feel like again I thought it was like a virus that had to be cured. And I begged my mom to drive me down to Tipperary to where this guy was, and uh, we were we were going there on our way to Dingle, which is where my family live. And I was going with them because um, my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, was going to a festival, so I didn't, I couldn't be on my own at the time. I was not, I was not okay. And I was like, "Now, I'm telling you, this guy, he says he's going to cure me. He's going to cure me." And I went in, and he like hooked up these sort of little sensors to my temples or something like that that obviously sends some sort of like gentle vibration. Okay, and I'm sitting there, and he's like explaining to me. Oh, all very normal stuff about, you know, this is what's happening and, you know, you need to just let the anxiety go. And I was like, okay. And it was something that was very relaxing and put me into a deep relaxation. And when you do that, you don't feel anxious. When you're in a relaxed state, you don't feel anxious, mm-hmm. obviously. So I walked out of there thinking, oh my God, mom, like it's gone. Like, like I'd been possessed and it left me. <laughs> it obviously so stupid. I went down to Kerry being like, oh my God, like I'm, that's over now. It's gone. And my parents were like, oh, that's great. Jesus that's fine like that okay well if whatever that was if that worked and I'm not saying it was his fault but I so believed that this one thing I was never going to feel it again and then that night my mum was like okay good night, put me to bed because I was in the I was like 25 needing to be put to bed and um, I was like no I'm absolutely fine and as soon as she closed the door and I felt a little bit of anxiety to I was like oh oh, what's this and I felt a little tremble and I was like oh god oh god it's, it's not gone it's not gone and I when I say I freaked out like it was 10 times worse because I thought that it was something that could be cured And for me, what inspired me to write the book was everyone is looking for these quick fixes. They're being sold these yarns and people are preying on people's vulnerability and I was never going to cure it. It's it's not a bug, you know. It's a stress response, like I say. And when had I known all of that, and had I had that awareness, I don't think I ever would have suffered to the depths that I did, or had those massive panic waves where I just thought, "Well, I am. This is just the way I am. I'm broken." Uh, So my goal now with the books and with with the podcast is to help people have that awareness and understand it, so that they know exactly what they're dealing with, and they're not terrified by you know, it's not they're not gripped by the fear of the fear.
1: So I suppose knowledge for you is a controller. Yes. It's your way of controlling the anxiety that you get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you,
1: you've you given yourself the tools to deal with it. You've learned about it. Mm. So I suppose tip one to our listeners was about being comfortable with yourself and recognizing the stressors. Tip two very much seems to be the educational component. Yeah. You know, reading, learning, equipping yourself yeah. with knowledge and yeah. using that knowledge as a tool.
0: Absolutely. It's, and it's such a huge tool. Um, so in owning it, in the first book, I sort of put together a technique um, called the assess and address approach that I based the book around. And I also, it's my own approach to anxiety. It was then, once I kind of got some clarity, and it is today, whenever it rises up. And the assess part is just to say, okay, what's going on? So for me, obviously now I understand what anxiety is, I understand when it's happening, I understand the hormones involved and also things like, okay, what's going on in my life right now? Is there any vulnerability factors? Maybe I start to feel anxious and I'm trying to think why that's happened. And maybe I was a little bit under the weather. Uh, Maybe it's hormonal. Maybe it's the time of the month for women, which can be a big issue. Maybe it's a delayed reaction to something stressful that happened a couple of months ago. Um, And when you kind of take a helicopter view and you say, let's just put all the cards on the table. That's the assess part of it. And then the address part is kind of what am I going to do about it? So the first is like what's going on and then what am I going to do about it? And the the address part can be a myriad of different things. It can be, you know, these days, because I I keep it in check and I know I can see it coming before it gets too close. It can be as simple as just putting the phone away for a night, watching some crappy TV and just sort of recentering myself, bringing myself back to zero. Back then, it would have been a lot of stuff, anything that would have put me into a relaxed state. Mm-hmm. Once I knew that it didn't matter what the treatment was, as long as it's relaxing for you. You, you need to spend as much time as you can with your body in a relaxed state and then those stress hormones will eventually over time calm down and that's why meditation is so great mindfulness is so great yoga is so great and what I've come to realize and this might be a controversial thing to say like it doesn't really matter what it is that you're doing mm-hmm. once once everything is very soothing and calm and your parasympathetic nervous system is in the driving seat and and that's why you know I would have tried meditation once when I was feeling anxious and I'm like oh it's not working and think, well, that that doesn't work, but it's it's over time and you need to have patience with it. So so these days, whatever it is that will put me into that lovely kind of feeling of just like, OK, let my breathing come right down, bring it back to zero and back to basics of things like, you know, really simple things people overlook, such as how many cups of coffee are you having per day? Like if, if you're in an anxious state or you're overwhelmed at work that's such low-lying things to get rid of. Like, you're adding more stimulants in there when you're already stimulated. And, like, I would just ease off sugar and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's loads of ways you can address it.
1: Um, and So one of the things is finding what works for you.
0: Exactly. Whether
1: it's reading a book, watching TV playing football, reading a magazine, chatting it, with a friend. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever your thing is to unwind you is, to, is, is one of the best tools to use.
0: Absolutely. And I think a while ago, the whole wellness culture obviously emerged and suddenly it became another stressor where it's like, are you being well enough? Are you looking after yourself mm-hmm. well enough? And if I'm thinking I need to get up at 5am and do my yoga and meditate, otherwise I'm going to be, you know, in bits, then that's just another like, kind of measuring stick for myself. So, you know, some people absolutely adore yoga. If you don't, don't do it. You know, it is find whatever works for you and don't feel under pressure to be riding this wellness wave just because it looks good on Instagram because I fell victim to that as well. You know, and I always say to people like one of the best things for me is just turning on a bit of TLC on, you know, say yes to the dress and just it doesn't matter. Like it, your mindfulness, it's, it's your thing.
1: Folks, you're listening to the Real Health Podcast in Association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by the wonderful Caroline Foreign. Talking about writing books and podcasts and stuff. Is that is that has that become a form of therapy now?
0: Yes, absolutely. So when I started writing the books, I well, when I was offered the chance to write the first book, which is how it happened, I wrote an article and they were like, this could be a book. And I was like, Did you have the, did you get the wrong email address? And so I was initially my reaction was, I'm like, this is gonna give me a lot of anxiety. But it was actually very therapeutic.
1: Because what about seeing the book on the shelf then?
0: That was amazing. Like
1: it is, was Is that not the most anxious moment in the world no,
0: ever? No, no, not at all. My goal, I said I had to sort of sit down and have a chat with myself and say okay, I don't care about numbers, I don't care about charts. If one person who felt like I felt when I was in that dark pit of despair feels like that there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel or like, do you know what, someone actually gets me because that's all I wanted. I didn't want to hear from any professionals. I wanted to hear from someone who was just like me who said, you know what, I was there and I'm just like you and you'll come through it. I That was what I craved and if I could be that for someone, that was my job done. That was success to me. That's how I define success with the book and pretty soon I was getting messages from all over the world. I was like, how are you getting the book in Timbuktu? (laughs) And getting these messages and people being like thanking me, saying you're articulating what I am only now realizing this whole time has been anxiety or thank you for making me feel like I'm not weak or I'm not, you know, just a disaster of a person because I've fallen apart when I have a very good life on paper. Um, And then just people feeling like you're actually helping me very practically own it and understand it so it was hugely rewarding uh, I didn't feel anxiety when the book came out once I had once my editor was like yeah it's great I was like okay well I, if you if you, you know it's your job to tell me if it's crap so I knew i I I knew it was I was proud of it. You know, I really was proud of it. I was even more proud of the second book. Um, and just to get that response was amazing. And then to be honest, look, the chart stuff and the getting the book deals in America all happened as secondary to that. But I have to always remind myself, you know, if I get a bit carried away thinking, oh, at the moment, like I'm going to I'm going to America next week to to promote the books coming out there. And it's very easy to get caught into this cycle of like, needing validation of different people over there to you know get the book out there and I have to constantly bring it back to like if you like if you've made a difference in five people's lives that's as much as you could hope for like that's that's such a a high achievement Mm -hmm. I have to tell myself you know
1: let's talk about I suppose the Instagram generation you you Mm -hmm. mentioned it earlier on um over the last, say, five, six years, there's been a huge increase in that. Anything America does, we seem to do two or three years later in terms of society and in terms mm-hmm. of how we function and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. Um, do you think that that's led to a more anxious society?
0: Mm, yeah, I do. And it's a bit of a double-edged sword for me um, because I remember when my anxiety was really bad. I It was 2014 when it you know everything sort of fell apart. And at the time... Instagram was sort of coming up and it was very curated and people really only put out their best bits. And I just felt like, well, if I don't have anything good to say or if I'm not in Bali having an, a, a, what <laughs> you, a, a kai bowl, a, a, I can never say that word, a lovely healthy bowl of porridge, I have nothing to say. Oh, and you, I, as ask ask yeah, That's yeah. how That's how wellness I am. Um, <laughs> I was like, I have nothing good to put up there, so I should just disappear. And I was like, what will people think of me? So I retreated from it completely. And then slowly but surely, I was like, I need to, in order to own this for myself, I need, it, it was sort of a therapeutic thing to own it publicly, even if it's just to a few of my friends, because at the time, you know, I didn't really have any followers. And that was like, oh, it's off my chest now. So in a way, and then I started to connect people who were like, thank you for not being perfect on social media. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's actually really important to be real. And it. So there's a lot of benefits to social media in that people can connect. And obviously, like I say, it's a double-edged sword in that it's a marketing tool for me as well. I have to be on It's part of work, but it can be a driver of anxiety at the same time. So it's very fickle. You know, like to this day, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out how to have a healthy relationship with social media where I don't rely on it for validation because it's so easy to happen where, you know, even things like social comparison is such a driver of anxiety and you know, feeling like someone else's success takes from yours or like, look what they're doing, I'm not doing. And I cover all these topics in the book and I understand the psychology of it. But it's very hard yourself to be like, stop it, you know, because just people's nature. We start, we compare ourselves to others.
1: So what tips would you, uh, on, on that note, So, people who suffer from FOMO anxiety, so fear of missing out?
0: I have the opposite of that. I actually have JOMO. I love missing out on things like <laughs> events because I just love being in my pyjamas at home. But... <laughs> I think it's just you so. Know,
1: well, you know, people who struggle to—they get anxious if they haven't got their phone in their pocket, or they get anxious if the phone is not beside them in uh, bed. We talk about tech in bedrooms all the time. It's a big thing on the show.
0: I know, and I and I'm look. I'm the exact same. You just need to. For me. With If we talk about social comparison, the, the antidote to that, I think, is temporal comparison. And so I did a lot of research around this for, for the confidence kit, the second book. And social comparison is something that we all do. We've always done it. We've done it as a way to measure our self-worth. It's a normal thing, like don't beat yourself up about it, but observe that you're doing it and then bring yourself back to thinking about temporal comparison, which is comparing yourself, using yourself as a benchmark. So if I compare myself to you... For example, I'm like, oh, he's like on the TV. Oh my God, I'm not. Uh, You know all these kind of things. If I compare myself to myself four years ago, Mm -hmm. when I couldn't, I remember I met my mom on Parnell Street around the corner, and I had a panic attack ordering, you know, coffee because the coffee shop was busy, and I felt like I couldn't cope. If I look at it that way, I've come along so much. Or if I look at, okay, where do I want to go in five years instead of looking where is someone else now? Mm -hmm. It's it's. Social comparison creates this culture of one-upmanship and nobody ever wins. Someone always comes out on the bottom. It's not good for your self-esteem. course, it's not
1: real. It's Most, not real. Mostly. and
0: Yeah, and it's just... I mean, but it, the thing is, I say this, but I still... I can still... I start scrolling and scrolling and I feel like crap. So I need to be like... You need to get very like practical and literally, like. my husband is like, I'm taking the phone away from you and we're putting it away. And I think I find it more difficult because of the nature of my work. It's so heavily wrapped up in that that it's like my office... But I think for someone who maybe just works in a full time job, it might be a little bit easier to say, these are my hours where I don't have the phone at home. Leaving it out of the bedroom is probably the most overused tip, but it's so people don't do it, you know, and only when you take distance from it, do you start to realise, OK, the world still revolves when I don't have my phone. And I do things now like where if I go away for a weekend, I will purposely leave my phone at home and put a post up there saying...
1: For the weekend
0: Yeah Where I'm like Listen I'm going off Social media for a while I need to come back to zero Because it's so It's such a part of my work That I can't switch off
1: Listeners There is a challenge It's to say the least If any of you Can manage to do that Over the course Of the next couple of weeks I'll be mightily impressed I might even try it myself My wife will be delighted When I tell this I know But it A takes, whole weekend Oh my yeah, god It takes I've a few got, It takes a few hours I remember
0: Because I was going to Paris Last year for my birthday And I I said look I'm going to leave I've, I had been You know heavily Book promoting My second book And I was like I just need I need a bit of space and of course it was I was like I was leaving alone at home but I said if I literally take the phone out of the bag and I go on this flight there's nothing I can do about it and I was in the airport and my husband had gone off to get a pint or something and straight away I was sitting there being like where's the phone I couldn't bear to sit there and look around and we have such an incapacity to be bored and I was like okay this is like you need to overcome this, and. I just sat there and I was like, I'm going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs and just breathe and just look around and like take in what's around me and like observe, like it was really nice. Like I was observing like families being excited to go away and I was like, I'm actually in the real world now and it was really, really liberating. I had a lovely mindful time. I slept so much better. But then of course I come home and I have to go back on it. So I'm still trying to figure out how to, it can't be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. So I'm still, I haven't figured that out yet. How to have a very healthy relationship with this. And when I do, I'll let you know.
1: One of the things I'm fascinated by is the fact that all the the success and the the promo. You're saying you're heading to the states next week mm. to promote the book. How you deal with that? So people who listening may that may be successful, they may be doing big projects, big presentations, that they get quite anxious about. Presumably all, like next week has to be stressing you out or being making you anxious in some way, shape or form.
0: Yeah, I get anxious now about very specific things. Like I'm doing a lot more talks, you know, like yourself with different companies where mm. I go in and I share my anxiety story and I share my tips and what I've learned. And for me, that's the biggest I had a big conversation with Pat Dively about this, so I know you've had the podcast, and that was his biggest fear. It's such a it's such a scary thing. So for me, it's more like those isolated things now would make me very anxious. But in general, going over to America, I'm having meetings. I kind of feel like I've done so much of the work now that I. I've had to, it's, it's really how you communicate with yourself. So I'm going over there thinking, okay, I have to have more self-belief in myself because no one else will have it for me. This may not work, but it's okay if it doesn't. So it's like having your your values in place and having your self-worth really, having your values and your, your self-worth ducks in a row is what mm-hmm. I say. So, you know, if I go over there and I say, I've given it my best shot, if if it doesn't even scratch the surface of the industry over there, I'm still successful because how I define success is not charts in America, I still am successful because how I value success is my relationships, and which I have very lovely... I mean, I don't have many. I've got very good few friends and my my husband and my family. I value success, or I define success as the fact that I'm well these days. So because I went through a really, really hard time, I have that very sharp awareness as to what's important to me. Now, sometimes I fall, I go by the wayside and I'm starting to think, oh, I need to be like a New York Times bestseller. I don't.
1: And then what happens?
0: And then I have a chat with my husband and he says, Caroline, you need to read your own book and you need to read like (laughs) what would you say to someone else? Because what's you (laughs) doing? I'm like, Oh, I know. But you know, I get frustrated but he he just sort of he brings me back into the real world and it does really help having someone there who can take you out of your head. So
1: surround yourself with people who can who can who can mind you a little bit and bring you back when required. Yeah,
0: absolutely. But it does happen and I'm you know, I always... People think, you know, because you've written a book about anxiety that you must never have it anymore. Or, Mm. you know, I still am very... I'm prone to it, but I... I know how to manage it and just because I know how to manage them it doesn't mean it doesn't like come up. So it still does come up but I say okay I know what to do now. So I had a chat with my husband last night actually because I was feeling like oh I'm getting really overwhelmed about feeling like if I I come back from America and nothing's happened am I a failure? And he's like you know that you're not and you know that you're just overtired right now and what happens when we're overtired and we're worn out is that we wear down the kind of rational higher thinking part of our brain which is the prefrontal cortex and then the amygdala which is all the kind of you know, fear, thoughts and worries, that starts to take over. It's like a, an anxious child starts to take over. And you need to be like, no, get back in your box. Let and But it's you also need to understand why it's happening. It's happening because I've been kind of going full throttle for a while now. So my thoughts are going to be a little bit more, um, I'm going to be more vulnerable to thinking that way. So I need to say, that's okay. Not just be like, oh, you're so stupid for thinking this way. That's okay. This is why it's happened. And be like, okay, let's just bring ourselves gently back to what we know is really what's going on for me. CBT is a huge thing, and actually, Barry, my husband, last night was like, "Would you get out your bloody pen, and paper, and do what you've been telling everyone else to do?" Where you know, I, I look at, and I, and I, I'm, I'm gonna do it when I go home because I didn't do because I was in bed and I was watching um, the Michael Jackson documentary. I was like, "Leave me alone!" I just wanted to have a chat, and it's things like writing down. Okay, is this a fact or an opinion? Is what your is what is in your head? Is that just your opinion that you're going to go over there and no one's going to care and you're you know people are going to be mean to you or is that a fact? Well, that's not a fact because it hasn't happened yet and putting your thoughts on trial that kind of thing so so it's
1: rationalising the thoughts in your head
0: yeah it's like it's putting them down on paper and giving them the airspace because sometimes I feel like we live in a world that's very be positive be positive and it's kind of suffocating sometimes and I feel that if you have negative thoughts in your head or feelings they're valid and if you try and shove them down and bury them they'll come back up at an Mm -hmm. inopportune time later so sometimes I say okay I'm going to let them all out let them I I take them for a run let my fears and my worries go for a run wear them out and then I kind of say okay well that's I not suppressed it, and now I'm gonna come back with a more measured response. So, okay, you've freaked out now. You've you've thought the worst. You thought the worst case scenario. What's more likely, or what happens if it is a worst case scenario? So it's just always watching your thoughts, but getting out the pen and paper and, and taking the time, which I say I need to do more of myself to really be like, okay, this is where your brain is going. This is where you need to bring it back to. But it's a constant job. It's an everyday thing. You know, it's everyday.
1: Yeah, but you. Own it. I absolutely is, own it. The, yeah. the book couldn't be better titled because just in chatting to you in the last kind of 25 minutes, what you're saying to people who, list, who are listening in who may have anxiety is you need to own it. You need yeah. to take ownership of it. Be comfortable with yourself. You need to get the toolkit that, you know, through education, through friends, through partners, through whatever it may be and um, when you have those anxious moments just pull it back to the what's real what's not real really, taking your negative thoughts for a run I like that that's a really kind of
0: yeah it's yeah. kind of a cool and analogy and also realising like I say like the optimal anxiety the good side of things like anxiety has actually given me a lot like I have a very strong work ethic I'm very driven until I'm demented you know I, and I will I hope that I will achieve a lot that's important to me. And I think that's because of my anxious nature as well. So it makes you want to push through. It makes you want to do better. And you know that certain kinds of fear are a good kind of fear. So it's not all bad but a lot of it is it's not the problem anxiety and stress in your life is not the problem your perception of it is
1: so if people want to find out more about you about your books about your podcast where does all that live where can they find uh, out so about
0: I have a website carolineforan.com but I guess the easiest place to to be on to me would be at carolineforan on Instagram where I link to the podcast so it's owning it the anxiety podcast it's on all your usual platforms and then um, owning it and the confidence kit are the books available in all good bookstores
1: fantastic and Car- some crap ones too carolineforan <laughs> thank you so much for coming into the Real Health Podcast the very best of luck in the States next week um, and keep so up much. the great work and keep up the great podcast thank
0: you thank you so much for having me
1: a pleasure to have you in folks as always I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare before we go a very quick shout out to the Home Ec Room who sent me an email to say that they play the podcast to all their students in the class Cora thank you so much and to everyone in the transition your students who are listening in I really hope you're enjoying the podcast and thank you for listening in folks as ever do let us know if you have any questions it's at carl henry pt on twitter and on instagram and real health at independence.ie have a wonderful week and as ever we'll see you next week with another episode slong
0: Leia healthcare it's good to live proud sponsor of the real health podcast with carl henry